Some 40 years ago, the whole idea being proclaimed in our society of those who were observant of social sciences, studied those things, they were telling us that people would improve if only they had the right environment, if people had work, and if people were employed and had good housing, then they would not succumb to violence or to wickedness, and men and women would get better. They wouldn't be so much evil and theft and crime. The thought was that people were falling into lawlessness and social uh, uh, misbehavior because of their surroundings, because of the pressures upon them from uh, around them. The lie of such thinking has been well proven over the years. And yet, people still will not accept the truth that there is an inherent sin in man. Original sin is not recognized. People like to think still that generally they are good and that if they're given the right circumstances, they will go on and things will generally improve. But that is not how we find it. Indeed, any study of the way of man finds that rather than improve, men grow worse and worse. And we only have to look at our society to see the wickedness, the evil that is around us the descent into the abominable sins of our nation in these days. Indeed, only for the grace, the common grace of God, withholding men from the darkest places, things would be worse. And we see this right back even in Genesis as we noted the fall of man. And we noted that once Adam and Eve had taken the forbidden fruit, immediately there is a lack of, there is discord, a lack of uh, harmony. Their harmony is broken. And now as we move to chapter 4 and come to the familiar story of Cain and Abel, we find again, what are people getting better? Not at all. Here we have recorded the sin of man leading to the first murder that ever took place. There is a descent into deeper sin. And we see that come later in the chapter with the descendants of Cain through Lamech and his line. And what he says, he has killed a man for injuring him. And so we can see sin is abounding and growing But for the gracious God reaching out his hand, we would be in a lot worse situation than we're in. So today we want to consider the Cain and Abel story, particularly the first 16 verses of this chapter. These words of God are carefully crafted and put together by the writer, uh, and there are many things which we could point to to show that that is true. And so there's a really 
important message for us to hear as we follow the argument and the lessons from this passage. Cain and Abel are born. There's new life given. They bring their offerings, but that leads to Cain's anger and ultimately to God having to deal with him and God deals with him in mercy. I want to begin at the very beginning then with life from the Lord. And isn't this an amazing thing that even after the fall and the curse that came, and we noted that at the end of chapter 3, how God put his hand upon them and the, the words that he spoke were dreadful words, yet Abel was able, or sorry, Adam was able to express his faith when he named the woman Eve, the mother of all living. Now as we turn to chapter 4, we find Adam's words about his wife Eve coming true. Because we read that Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Adam expressed his faith in spite of the devastating news that he was dust and to dust he would return. He says, Eve, you're you're going to be the mother of all living. So there is hope and faith in God. And Eve now expresses her faith because she speaks in this way with the help of the Lord. I have brought forth a man. She knows that it has only been by God's help. And she names him Cain. She has brought forth, and the word here really means a man, a man child. It's, it's not a baby, it's, it's a man child. In other words, it's the new Adam or another Adam that she has brought forth and she names him Cain. Could it be that Eve expected Cain as her seed to be the one who would grow up to fulfill the promise and crush the head of the serpent? I think we could have little doubt that even that wasn't there to her forethinking. Deep down there was something of that perhaps in her thoughts. Yet that thought is far too quickly crushed as Cain takes his brother and kills him. Those thoughts and hopes don't linger long in her mind. But that is a thought that continued right throughout the history of Israel. Every woman, when she brought forth a son, would have had deep down in her thinking, could this be the seed? Is this the one who would be Messiah? That privilege, of course, was given to Mary. To Mary that we read of in the New Testament, Jesus' own mother. Of all the women, she, a humble woman, was chosen to bear forth the seed that is spoken about in Genesis 3.15. But as Cain is born, Eve might have had that hope. She might have thought of that. 
after Cain, we have another new life given of the Lord. We have Abel. Remember that the woman was to bear children in the pains of childbearing. But the woman is able to delight in bringing forth children. And so those pains very quickly are forgotten about as she delights in her children and in bringing them up. Eve recognized that this took place with the help of the Lord. Today, we need to recognize the miracle of birth. What a wonderful blessing that God brings women through childbearing safely because his hand is upon them. And what an abomination it is that anyone should invade the womb to take away what God is creating there as a little baby. Whatever the circumstances of that little one may be, and there may be all kinds of difficulties and problems, but man has no right to invade and take that life. Adam and Eve were expressing their faith that life was from God with the help of the Lord. She brought forth her children. So let's remember, life from conception is from the Lord. Secondly, as we read these verses, we come then very quickly to the offerings for the Lord that are made by both Abel and Cain. Now, We're not told about their early life. We're not told when they began to walk or any of those details that those with young children delight to see the milestones being reached. But suddenly we we come to them as young men. What stage this came to happen, we don't know. They may have been uh, fairly grown up. They may have been teenagers, as it were, or, or more. We just don't know. But the point has come when they have recognized that it is important to bring offering to God. We might don't we don't need a whole discourse to to think about where they learnt this. Where did they learn it? They learnt it from their parents. They learnt it from Adam and Eve, that they had taught them that God was to be honoured by the bringing of offerings. And this is the offerings that they bring. Each has their own particular work to do. Abel is looking after the flocks, and thus he takes of the firstborn and of the flesh. Cain is working the soil, and he brings an offering that we might think is in keeping with his work of the the grain that comes. We note what is recorded here that this happened in the course of time. The beginning of verse 3. Cain brought the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions in the course of time. At the appropriate time for these two in their development, but also at an appropriate time of the year. The word that is used in the original suggests here that this was a specific time. It may have been, for example, harvest 
at the end of the harvest time when it was a very appropriate thing to bring offering. Or it may be the end of a year when the offering was brought. We don't know the detail, but we do know offerings were brought, each according to their particular tasks. And the offering was made to the Lord. It was a practice learnt from Adam and from Eve. And as we see and read on into the Old Testament, this is a practice that is commended. In fact, God formalizes it to some degree as he sets out all the feasts and the offerings that are to be brought. Not only was there to be the offering of animals and the shedding of blood, but the offering of grain and of other things to God. People were to bring their offerings. And even there's an illusion at times and as we read the Old Testament and especially the development, there is the illusion that there's the offering of man's own gifts. I think Brazili and others working in the altar, they offered up their gifts, their skills to God. When we find here this offering for the Lord, we are spoken to because we are to bring an offering to the Lord. We are to bring what is right and fitting for God. We may not bring grain. I don't think anyone expects anyone to come in here with a bag of grain. Or we don't expect anyone to come in with a calf. But rather in our day we know that we go to market, we sell our goods and we bring our offerings to God in the form of our tithes, our gifts, which come to be used then for the keep, upkeep of the work of God. Do you bring your offering to God? But this offering to God brings with it a difficulty because we read that Cain's offering was not received. And that brings a real problem. We read in the scripture, the Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering, but not on Cain's offering. And that might immediately bring us a problem. Why? Why did God make such a distinction? It looks as though God is showing favoritism. Both men have brought an offering. What's the answer to this difficulty that we might see lying on the surface? Well, the answer is the attitude of heart. We are helped as we turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, where there the writer records this, By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. You see, the real distinction here was the fact that Abel brought an offering, trusting God, really honoring God, believing in God. Cain did not. He brought an offering, but he brought it out of, as it were, 
feeling of obligation. This is what I need to do. And I will bring what I choose to God and I will do it in my way. That's the problem with Cain. He brought to God an offering that was just something he felt he had to do. It wasn't given with any faith or with any delight in God. Abel's offering was shown favor because he believed, he trusted God. Abel also offered a lamb and the best. He took the first fruits, which is always the best, and he brought the fat of the lamb. Whether Adam had instructed him concerning the skins which were used to cover them and the shedding of blood, it is likely that Adam told him that story. Perhaps Abel did pick that up and think, I need to offer the very best. And, and if blood had to be shed, so be it. The best lamb is given to God. We can't be 100% conclusive, but I wonder did Cain not seek out the best offering? His heart wasn't in it, you see. Whether, whether he did or not, it was, his whole attitude was one, I will give what I think is best. It'll be my own effort. It was the sweat of his brow that had brought forth the offering that he brings to God. And he gathered it up and brought it without a true heart to the Lord. I wonder, do you bring an offering in that way? You give because you think you should or must rather than with joy and delight that you're giving to the Lord and to the glory of his name. You see, so easily our attitudes can be wrong. We can give to God miserly and just think, well, that will do. Or we can give to God the best. And really, throughout Scripture, we are to give to God the best offering. We're to give him our best things, our best time, because he is God. And it delights us to worship him. It delights us to know that through him we are forgiven. There are far too many who come and they'll give to God the scraps. Whatever they gather up, that will do, they say. And that was Cain's attitude. I've got this, that will do for God. But it doesn't do. If the attitude of heart is wrong, it will not be shown any favor. Friends, let's learn from Cain that our offerings to the Lord must be brought with a delight in our God, a love for him. We should cherish him and delight to give what we can to the glory of his name. This offering brings another aspect, and that is anger towards the Lord. The fact that God looked with favor on Abel and not on Cain brings a reaction. And what is the reaction? The reaction is anger. A downcast face. Cain is, looks glum. He is all concerned. 
but his reaction is anger. We read it at the end of verse 5. Cain was very angry. His face was downcast. And the Lord comes to him and he challenges him on that. Look at the challenge to him. He says, Why are you angry? Why is your face cast down? Cain, take a look at yourself. And then God says to him, and what a a verse, verse 7 is, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Cain Sin is right at your door. You need to think about what your thoughts are and what you're doing. You need to master that sin. It wants you, but you need to master it. And God is in fact saying to Cain, look, rather than be angry, you should be coming humbly. Lord, what is it you desire? What what kind of offering? How can I please you? We shouldn't be coming to God with what we think is good enough, but we should humbly with what is pleasing to God. And the whole attitude of Cain here shows us that he was self-centered. It was all about him. He was angry because God didn't receive him as he was in the midst of all his sin. And God says to him, you're going to be challenged. You must master sin. You must get over it. In fact, God was saying to him, you need to look to me for strength to resist sin and to flee from it. And what do we find happens with Cain? Well, we find that the sin that is crouching at his door overtakes him. So often, we can be a bit angry or annoyed, we're rejected. Maybe our own attitudes, our words, and we we haven't taken them into account. And I wonder if you've been angry with God because he has given you certain issues and dealt with you in a certain way. Could it be said of you, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. And if it has you, it will swallow you up into the pit of hell. So that's where Cain goes. And the whole line of Cain and all who are in Cain, that's the result. You must master that sin. And you might say, but Lord, I can't. And he says, I know you can't. Look to me. Come to me. Look to Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. And he will give you the power to master sin. Don't let yourself be dragged down like Cain. What happens, Cain? He goes out in his anger and he takes his own flesh and blood and he's annoyed with Abel because Abel's offering has been accepted. Nothing to do with Abel. But God showed favor to him. And Cain murders him. In fact, Cain is angry with God and he sees Abel uh, almost Abel here is essentially a very, the very picture of God and of righteousness. And he kills him. 
puts him to death. What a terrible thing that is to happen. We see how sin goes down and down in a spiral into the pit. Could it be that you're in that same place? Cain murdered his brother. And in that he was acting directly against God. It was a sin opposing God in every way. And God has to deal with him. And so as we think about Cain and his anger, let it challenge you. Let it be something that comes to you and says to you, sin is crouching at your door. Will you master it? For that you need to turn to Jesus Christ as Lord. You need to look to him. You need the power of God that comes only through his Savior. Because you can't master Satan with your own efforts, your own offerings. What you think is pleasing to God out of your own store is no good. If you think good works will satisfy, they won't. Turn to God. For only in the power of God can you offer the sacrifice that is acceptable to him. Look to the Lord and bring glory to his name. Think of David, even in his sin. How sin dragged him down until Nathan came and said, You are the man. David said, Against you, you only have sinned. We need to see our sin in that light. Cain didn't sin against Abel first and foremost. He sinned against God. And when you sin, it's not against people or others or things. It's against God first and foremost. That's the fault you need to be forgiven for through the blood of Jesus Christ. I was going to go on, but we'll keep this for another time. Mercy from the Lord. How does God deal with Cain? Well, let me just say he deals with him in mercy. We look at that further in another time. Amen.